section one of the rover volume one number thirteen this is a librivox recording all librivox recordings are in the public domain for more information or to volunteer please visit librivox the rover volume one number thirteen edited by seba smith and lawrence labrie section one the green mountain boy a tale of ticonderoga in the spring of the year seventeen seventy six a troop of horsemen might be seen wending their way down that part of the green mountains which lies east of the head of lake champlain by the rude and rugged pathway leading to the western plain their route lay along the side of killington peak which arose on the site in lonely magnificence to the elevation of several thousand feet above the level of the lake on the left less stupendous but partaking of the same wild aspect were piled heap on heap irregular ridges and immense round-topped eminences covered with forests the sun had not yet surmounted the eastern summits and as they passed between the towering walls of rock sometimes with impending cliffs at others with the gigantic forest trees forming an arch above their heads their way was frequently uncheered by a single ray of light and their course down the perilous precipice was directed only by the voice of the brawling torrent which fretted and dashed over the successive ledges of the mountain-side yet still they held on their way untired and unfaltering they were generally men of robust and hardy frame and bold undaunted bearing had they been encountered on the alps or apennines they might have been at first deemed banditti proceeding to the attack of a monastery or the sack of a village yet a closer scrutiny would have discovered in their fearless but frank and ruddy visages no features of the robber or assassin in the poor and honest region they were traversing the most romantic imagination could not for an instant place them in the degraded class of freebooters yet there was that of the wild and picturesque about them which combined with the surrounding scenery might be worthy of the pencil of salvator rosa what then was their character they were not mere hunters for although several among them carried rifles many were armed with weapons never used in the chase while in their general equipment their order of movement and silent acquiescence in the directions of individuals recognized as leaders although without martial insignia there could be observed a marked military character might they not be of those who combined to resist the execution of the mandates of the governor of new york which it was well known had for their object to force the bold and industrious settlers on the hampshire grants from their hard-earned lands and possessions this supposition would be strengthened by their being perceived among them more than one who had been already outlawed and a price set on their heads for their resistance to those arbitrary edicts this idea too appeared to be encouraged by themselves in their 
brief and passing intercourse with the few inhabitants who had reared their humble cabins on the road they travelled but not unfrequently a close and confidential whisper between the inquisitive mountaineer and an acquaintance in the troop ended in the former's deliberately taking down his fusee swinging his cutlass and mounted on his best horse proceeding with the cavalcade leaving the better part of the house the woman standing at the door in motionless and what is more extraordinary mute astonishment the troop whatever it might be passed on at as quick a pace as its numbers and the nature of the ground would allow and was just entering the gorges of the mountain when a horseman galloped past the main body from rear to front the stranger was a youth of not more than mere manhood and of athletic and well-turned limb reining up gracefully as he gained the front of the train he doffed his hat to the leader and slightly bent his head rich in luxuriant curls while his fine intelligent features lighted up and his dark expressive eye flashed out the fire of some powerful emotion and who may you be friend demanded the leader with soldier-like bluntness a recruit if you like one a volunteer if you accept me the stranger answered one ripe and ready to go hand in hand with the foremost in your enterprise and know you what that enterprise is perfectly but you are a stranger to me not so to all who go with you but we waste time here are my credentials the leader took the paper proffered by the volunteer and glancing over it extended his hand and welcomed him with a cordial grasp enough said the volunteer if you can trust me listen to my proposition and he drew the officer a little in advance of the party in the short conference that followed the impatient and fiery youth appeared to be urging a suit with vehemence and the cool caution of the officer seemed at length to yield either to his argument or impetuosity hastily writing a few lines with his pencil on the paper which he still held in his hand he returned it to the youth who received it with animation and eagerness then waving his farewell as he turned his body partially around dashed forward and disappeared down the rugged precipice soon leaving the troop far behind i calculate coolly observed a man of the front rank that yon chap doesn't own out and out the creature he rides or he'd scarcely hold his neck so cheap you've missed a figure hiram replied his right elbow man by reason that his own neck's his own anyhow and i'll allow there's but the toss of a copper which goes first hern or hisn if there's a room to throw in a guess remarked a third i should say that our young fellows arter a petticoat and why so friend wagstaff asked the leader who had heard the dialogue is not glory a mistress with charms bright enough to attack a man of spirit but don't disremember captain replied wagstaff that we're men of flesh too glory's a purty article a dreadful purty article but at the present i'd a considerable sight rather have a soft bed and a warm companion than to go to glory over yon precipice with a frosty rock for my resting-place the familiar jests of the men were not repressed 
by their leader who knew they proceeded from no feeling of insubordination but were proofs rather of buoyancy of spirits and contented minds and while he was assured of their fidelity and devotedness to the cause in which they were engaged he rather encouraged whatever had a tendency to enliven their march it's a rough road we travel brother said hiram after a pause and something long short enough if it leads to a long home answered wagstaff for my part observed hiram despondingly i've never had a brush with anything better than indians and yorkers you have been out among the wrigglers jotham i know it replied jotham wagstaff sartin i've been where things didn't go so slow i ask you where the bullets came desperate fast that's the gospel on it you didn't dodge though jotham we hadn't time hiram but after the blow was over one fellow said it was ridiculous he'd curse and quit another made up his mind to bow his neck and make tracks and our captain wished a many a time that his commission were in hell and he were to home he was a bay man that captain massachusetts is doing good things now jotham said the leader i know it replied wagstaff they peppered the redbirds well at lexington it seems when are we to have a spoon in the dish captain where are we to join old ethan presently at rutland possibly positively at castleton answered the captain and fags there's rutland now full ahead rejoined wagstaff as emerging from the defile an extensive prospect spread before him hill and valley field and forest town and stream lay in beautiful variety bask in the first beams of the sun which having climbed the eastern mountains poured his rays full upon the landscape dispersing at once in thin curls of transparent vapour the slight frost that had hung upon every bush and blade the view was bounded on the west by distant mountains beyond the lakes while the course of the champlain could be distinctly traced as it stretched far to the north on an eminence a few miles in front stood the town toward which they now bent their way the youthful stranger had in the meantime spurred on over rock and rivulet and leaving rutland on his left entered by a more direct path the road leading to castleton so abruptly and rapidly that he had well nigh unhorsed another cavalier who was coming up the road at a round pace hands were on hilts in an instant but a single glance was sufficient for mutual recognition captain phelps exclaimed the youth mark standish cried captain noah phelps how is it i meet you here and whither so fast lad may i not ask the same question of you captain said standish ay and get as satisfactory an answer but come i'll try points of masonry with you who comes from bennington ethan and seth promptly answered the youth i would question you in turn but i doubt you not and there's no time to spare the rendezvous is this night at castleton right said the captain and ethan is pushing on like mad in a forest march with his green mountain boys scouts are already thrown out beyond castleton and sentries posted on every pass to cut off communication between the country and the place you wot of a pause followed during which they looked fixedly at each other whither are you going mark standish to castleton and you captain phelps to castleton also do you go farther to-day perhaps and you may be a truce to trifling i suspect we're on the same errand but mark my boy have you reflected it's a ticklish business i know you're a lad of metal mark 
you're of a good stock standish i prophesied well of you from a boy when you mounted the colt without saddle or bridle whip or spur as the hounds passed you at full cry and brought in the brush stuck in your hat and when a few years after they carried you in triumph through the village with the wolf home before you you're a true blue or rather a true green as they'll have it here on the hampshire grants but zounds lad you're too green for this affair leave it in my hands not while i have hands of my own said standish say you so my lad mark why then have with you a fig for our necks hurrah for the congress and set forward and away they went at the top of their horses speed a short halt at castleton was necessary they had ridden far and fast and their horses and themselves must breathe and bait some preparation and arrangement also were requisite for the safe execution of the design they had in view it was during their slight repast the youth related to his friend the connecticut captain some of the incidents to which their meeting was owing mark standish and ellen guilford were born and bred in or near the same village ellen was allowed by the men to be the prettiest liveliest girl of the vicinage and mark it was not denied by the women was the handsomest and smartest young fellow they were playmates in their childhood and in proper seasons which in the green mountains where early marriages are encouraged is sufficiently soon ripened into love the passion of the boy taking its character from his natural temperament was deep and intense ellen loved as she did everything else with vivacity and cheerfulness mark could not brook a rival near her and unfortunately for him the charms of the village maiden drew many lovers around her it was death to mark to see her smile on another and unhappily ellen could not in the innocence of her heart help smiling and laughing too upon occasion mark at times almost permitted himself to suspect that ellen was something of a coquette and ellen but for the purity of her thoughts might have seen that mark was jealous they however loved each other truly and dearly and it was a bitter moment to both when they were to part although the separation was to be but temporary but the aunt of ellen guilford had come a long journey expressly to take her home with her she was a lone woman having recently lost her husband and the mother of ellen could not refuse to a beloved sister the consolation of her niece's society for a short time the aunt was aged and had been left well to live as it regarded the goods of this world and even in the pure atmosphere of the green mountains a little worldly prudence may be supposed to exist ellen raised no difficulty to going for on the hampshire grants young ladies however in love in their most romantic moments never dreamed of resisting the will or wishes of their parents she went therefore and mark after accompanying her some distance toward her aunt's dwelling which was seated on lake champlain returned home to his employments manfully resolving to bear her absence as he might several months had elapsed and every young man found it less easy to repress his impatience the few letters ellen found opportunity to transmit were full of fond and frank affection but mark did not fail to hear of the manner in which she was distinguished at the rustic feats of her neighbourhood and above all that a british officer from the opposite side of the lake was her declared admirer whatever it was whether love or jealousy or both which prompted him he came at once to the determination that he could live no longer without her arrangements with his father were immediately brought to a conclusion 
which put him in possession of a farm of his own and he made a last visit to the village preparatory to setting out for the lake to claim his bride and remove her at once from a situation which was by no means the most eligible in the present unsettled state of the country in the village although it was scarcely day when he entered it all was bustle and confusion in the streets at the church door on the tavern piazza in the blacksmith's shop groups of busy people had collected even the loungers at the stores no longer hung their heels idly over the counter but all and every one seemed engaged in earnest and interesting discourse while animated female faces looked from door and window not through mere curiosity but with anxiety and alarm the meaning of all this was that intelligence of the affair of lexington had reached them blood had been spilt the blood of their fellow-men of their citizens the charm was in a moment dissolved that had united two hemispheres in brotherhood the blow had been struck that was to shake convulse and sever mighty empires in common with their countrymen the inhabitants of the little town of osbrook felt in all its force the sensation such an event was calculated to inspire their ordinary avocations were suspended their quarrel with a neighbouring province upon the very eve of coming to mortal arbitrament was cancelled and forgotten new views of grandeur and sublimity opened upon them lofty and heroic thoughts took possession of their minds and their only language was defiance to the common enemy their only deliberation how best to serve their country some ardent and stirring spirits had already cast their eyes toward the british posts on lake champlain commanding as they did the approach from canada worcester dean and parsons with other bold and active patriots had even then under the sanction of the connecticut assembly obtained the necessary funds and secured the services of the renowned ethan allen as the leader of their enterprise of ticonderoga and crown point were actually marching by various routes and with the greatest celerity and secrecy for castleton the ardour of the young man was aroused by the information that one of those patriot bands had passed through the village not many hours before but when he heard the additional report that ellen guilford had been clandestinely taken from her protectress by a british officer his impatience amounted to agony cursing his indecision and delay he mounted his well-tried steed and waiting only to receive from his informant who was knowing to the enterprise a few lines necessary as an introduction or a pass sped with the swiftness of wind after the advancing party a chaos of thoughts whirled in his brain as he rode amid which doubts of ellen's faith for a moment intruded but they were immediately driven forth with remorse for having cherished them yet he resolved to ascertain the truth and this perhaps could be done only by entering the fortress with this view he proposed to the leader of the troop whom he overtook as has been related to bring information of the state of the garrison and he was on his way to the lake for those purposes when he encountered captain phelps so then said captain phelps when standish had concluded i find that you're bent upon risking your neck for this girl who don't mistake me may be worthy of it but after all you have heard but a rumour it has been confirmed to me since i entered this place replied standish she has certainly disappeared and in a mysterious manner well then said the captain as he unlocked his ample saddle-bags and took out various dresses let's see and fix upon our disguises here's a wardrobe fit for any spy unhung in christendom i had some thoughts of playing the canadian among them as you may see by the fawn-skin jacket 
red worsted cap and sagathy breeches but i've changed my mind so you may have the garments if you like the character not i replied standish then we must come yankee over them and i've noticed enough here to baffle a nation of such underwits their arrangements were quickly made and having finished their refection they continued their course passing without difficulty the sentinels posted on the avenues toward the lakes having arrived at the shore near orwell they left their horses in the care of a confidential person and entering a bateau were set across this branch of lake george there again embarking in a skiff which they fortunately found on the beach they landed on the opposite shore a little above the romantic outlet of the latter lake they entered the works clad in the coarse garments common to the poorer class of settlers and their perfect acquaintance with the habits and idioms of that region enabled them easily to support the characters they assumed the idle and arrogant soldiers of the garrison had never permitted themselves to believe that the natives or settlers around them whom they had been accustomed to consider as an inferior race could ever contemplate resistance much less attack and our adventurers were suffered to pass unquestioned as two gawky yankee traders in small notions a little more knave than they appeared to be and very willing if they could to overreach even the sutler himself while captain noah phelps scanned everything around with a military eye it may be naturally suspected that the anxiety of the lover mainly directed the views of mark standish but his search had been as yet fruitless and he was about to yield to utter despair when on rounding an angle of the works a folded paper fell at his feet he looked and saw a white hand for a moment wave through the loophole high in the solid mass of masonry eagerly he snatched up the letter happily unobserved and retiring to a recess with a throbbing heart read the following lines traced in pencil by the hand of his ellen i know you dear mark but guess not your design how i tremble for your safety for me fear not i shall still preserve myself for you the enraptured yet indignant lover still held the letter in his hand unconscious of danger when suddenly a step approached and a person crossed the opening in which he stood hastily he thrust the paper into his bosom while the intruder paused and threw a suspicious glance toward him which he was in no condition to meet with an air of self-possession it was a critical moment when the captain came in to the rescue he perceived the exigency and met it promptly the personage before him was no less than the barber of the garrison phelps immediately engaged him for a cast of his office and while the barber was reaping the full harvest of his very fertile chin standish had leisure to regain his composure the captain took all with extreme coolness not failing to drive a hard and protracted bargain with the barber for the service he had rendered after which he led the way in a shambling careless gait out of the garrison i told you so said the captain when they had got into the country you had like to have ruined all she is here cried standish and can i ought i yes replied phelps interrupting him you both can and ought to come along as fast as your legs will carry you unless you would stay and be hanged there was no rebutting an argument like this and without unnecessary delay our adventurers retraced their way to orwell captain phelps now proceeded straight to castleton while standish sought the late residence of his ellen he found the aged relative almost distracted with her loss but unable to say how or by whose agency it was effected she had indeed reason to suspect the young british officer who from the time he met ellen at the village ball had paid her uncommon attention more than once the old lady had heard at night the sound of a flute 
from the lake under her window and shrewdly suspected it to be a serenade to ellen but she was sure the dear girl had never given the man the least encouragement and as to going off with him willingly the thing was not to be thought of standish communicated to the good dame as much of the actual position of affairs as he deemed proper and was rewarded by hearing related a thousand proofs of her niece's virtues and twice that number of her affection for her dear mark night had fallen and the troops assembled at castleton were enjoying a short repose after the day's fatigue when a stranger who had been stopped as he attempted to pass the guard was at his peremptory demand conducted by a sentinel to headquarters ethan allen was seated at the head of a table around which sat several other officers when the stranger a young man of a proud and martial deportment his blue military cloak thrown gracefully over his shoulder entered the room swagger and martinet muttered allen as the stranger appeared then addressing the subject of his remark well sir you see ethan allen quick who what i'm not used to be interrogated in that style or tone answered the stranger drawing himself up haughtily ho roared ethan allen distending the circle of his large eyes to a most ludicrous circumference well sir to amplify according to the book who are you and what do you want my name is arnold not unlikely and in the name of the witch of endor who is arnold i am known to some of your officers said arnold i know the gentleman observed blagin tis captain arnold of the connecticut volunteers it may be so said ellen will captain arnold of the connecticut volunteers signify his pleasure by this commission you will be taught that i am now colonel arnold sir and by this producing another paper that i am authorized and ordered by the committee of safety of massachusetts to raise a force of four hundred men and attack ticonderoga the astonishment of allen was fearful massachusetts colonel he repeated by the horn of jericho you raise men soul of samuel where are they hey you have i thank you raised them to my hands replied arnold with his accustomary confidence the ample chest of allen heaved with an earthquake of passion to your hands he cried yours by the crack of god's field-piece your impudence is amusing and who then he added cocking fiercely his little three-cornered hat who then am i captain allen answered the stranger with a condescending air of whose services colonel arnold would be proud to avail himself good better and better excellent said allen in a smothered tone by the lord of hosts there is metal in this martinet hand me your papers young man and be seated arnold took a chair while allen hastily glanced over the papers and then with a smile of peculiar meaning said you are appointed colonel by a committee whose power i shall not question now here's a council of war are you not gentlemen whose power you must not question sir you appoint me do you not gentlemen a colonel also certainly tis your right they all cried well then our grade is the same it seems now to rank happening to have the power i settle it in my own favour which if any one dispute i'll send his soul to hellfire in the priming of a rifle and this same putting forth his gigantic arm shall be the beetle of mortality ay ay he added in spite of twenty such muscle wangers as that young man pshaw lad alive leave fingering the pommel of your sword the thing is settled by authority and as a philosopher and soldier not doubting that you are each you must submit there's stuff in you fit for use though not over malleable and by judas and the rest no allusion sir you shall have a place and employment come gentlemen tis time to set forward 
is there any report from the party detached to the head of the lake this moment a messenger has arrived skeensborough is taken and skeen himself secured replied an officer at the door hurrah shouted allen the the would-be royal governor of ticonderoga is ours no more delay to horse in the name of god and away but sir said arnold buts won't do sir i've said it old ethan whom they call the outlaw who laughs at the lightning out scolds thunder and defies the devil and governor tryon old ellen who studied divinity in his youth and became a soldier by passion knows but little of the world of spirits but he will be treated in the other world as a gentleman of his merit ought to be come hurrah for the green mountains and forward to old ty hereupon the council broke up arnold yielding with a tolerable grace to an arrangement he could not better and in a short time the whole body of troops was in brisk motion it was almost day when the american force arrived silent and unseen on the bank of the lake opposite ticonderoga their horses were secured in the neighbourhood and while some of the men were collecting the few boats scattered along the shore the rest were dispersed in picturesque groups upon the bank it was a scene of awful stillness the lake reposed dark and unruffled by a single breeze the moon was absent from the heavens and the eye could with difficulty trace on the western horizon the dimly defined outline of the most prominent and elevated part of the fortress now an object of such intense interest ay said ethan allen in a suppressed tone there she is the brimstone of babylon there's old ty with whom i long to have a grapple as a lover with his mistress how soundly the jezebel sleeps on the brink of perdition little dreaming who are about to beat up her headquarters but it's the same to her french english or yankees to do the old girl justice however she held abercrombie at arm's length as putnam the wolf-hunter has told me who was in the frolic when that hare brain boy lord how the king's bastard with many other brave fellows legitimate and otherwise left his body in the outworks but then again amherst had her for the asking without penny or price well boys we may have a tussle for it but i conclude we're ready so embark in the name of the pillars of fire and of smoke act like men men of the hampshire grants and never bring a blush on the green mountains an advance guard of eighty-three men as many as the boats could contain now proceeded to embark halt there friend whispered allen to arnold as the latter was attempting to pass him not before the commodore colonel and enforced his suggestion with no very gentle constriction of the arm in fact with the grasp of a tourniquet or a vice no man of god's moulding before ethan and he stepped on board followed by arnold standish and others of the most eager motionless as statues and almost as breathless they glided over the still lake the dull sound of the muffled oar scarcely reaching the stem or stern of the boat and not a ripple following its silent dip or its leathery skin over the undisturbed surface of the water it was when the east first became dappled by the dawn that the party landed on the hostile shore near their slumbering foes the boats were immediately sent back for the rear guard under seth warner while the advance was drawn up in triple rank and ethan allen whose huge dimensions the occasion seemed to swell to gigantic size harangued the brave band fellow soldier said he you have long been the terror of arbitrary power in the person of a petty despot tryon your fame has gone abroad as appears from the honour conferred on you and me by the general assembly of connecticut you are now in a few minutes to prove yourselves worthy of your reputation for valour or abandon your pretensions for ever i am ordered to take possession of the fortress before you and propose to lead you at once through the gate it is a desperate attempt and none but the bravest of men will undertake it on those who are not brave i do not urge it 
you who volunteered to follow me poise your firelocks there was not one of the band who did not throw his piece to the poise to the right face said ellen and placing himself in the front of the centre file marched his column in double quick time directly to the southern entrance on approaching the gate arnold endeavoured to place himself at the head of the column by heaven sir cried he i will enter first my rank entitles me to it by hell sir answered ellen if you attempt it i'll send you to salvation or otherwise before your watch ticks thrice for god's sake ellen arnold at such a time in such a situation to dispute shame shame whispered several voices near them well sir this much i'll grant we'll go in together but stop there on my left if you please said ellen and in this manner they entered the gateway a sentinel posted at the wicket completely surprised presented his piece at ellen's breast a snap by jupiter protector follow my boys cried ellen as he pursued the retreating sentinel by the covered way into the body of the place uttering a cry of alarm the sentinel fled into a casemate standish had entered almost at the side of ellen and a second sentinel charged upon him and wounded him slightly with his bayonet ellen turned to his rescue his tremendous arm was raised for the fatal blow when suddenly he changed his purpose and let his sword fall gently down the side of the sentinel's head merely scraping of one ear and the better part of the cheek in the descent the poor fellow dropped his arms and begged for quarter while the troops swarmed in two lines each facing a line of barracks and were waking the garrison with three terrific hurrahs ellen had questioned the prostrate sentinel and following his directions immediately ran up a stone stairway on the western side of the esplanade to the chamber of the commandant come forth he cried in a voice like the roaring of the niagara you who command these slaves you de la place come out lobster back from your shell or every soul of you fish or flesh shall be sacrificed the unfortunate commander appeared at his chamber door in extreme undress and the picture of dismay and despair do you deliver me the fortress cried ellen in whose name do you demand it asked the petrified de la place not certain whether he was capitulating to men or devils in the name of the great jehovah and the continental congress thundered ellen nay no parleying he added observing the commandant about to speak surrender or death the ill-fated de la place with the sword literally suspended over his head gave order for his men to parade without arms as he had surrendered the fort it was in the grey of the morning of the tenth of may seventeen seventy five that this most important fortress with all its formidable and extensive equipment and warlike store was yielded to the gallantry of a few boys of the green mountains the sun rose in unusual splendour as if smiling on the achievement on the same day crown point surrendered to the brave and indefatigable seth warner who had been detached with a part of the reserve and immediately after arnold surprised and captured a vessel of war at the lower extremity of champlain and thus the entire command of the lakes rested with the americans to return to ticonderoga the victors were assembled at the board making ample amends for all their late privations when ellen remarked the absence of the young volunteer who had been wounded at his side and inquired with much interest as to his fate but no one could say what had become of him the last time he was seen was when the assaulting party was beating in the barrack doors in which it was observed he assisted with the fury of a lion there was also a subaltern of the garrison missing whose absence could not be accounted for any more than that of standish a short time however explained the mystery mark standish had indeed pursued his search with fury and even frenzy every room was entered but ellen was nowhere to be found yet the chamber from which the letter had the day before been dropped seemed to have been recently abandoned he repeated his inquiries on every side and was at length told by a soldier of the garrison that on the first alarm he had seen a female borne by an officer 
through one of the narrow passages between the blocks of the barracks standish instantly started off in the direction indicated and gained the open country struck into the only path which seemed to be practicable along this he ran he flew at intervals pausing to call aloud the name of his beloved the way became more rugged and difficult as it led among the hills and he was about sinking to despair when he thought he heard a response to his call in a faint female voice again he shouted he paused in breathless suspense but no answer was returned was it then but an echo that mocked him one effort more and summoning his powers of voice as he leaned in his exhaustion against a tree he called on ellen a voice not distant but indistinct as if stifled in its utterance pronounced his name he was no longer weak with the vigour of the deer he bounded forward and in an instant beheld the form of a man near whom lay exhausted and fainting his beloved ellen like the panther springing toward his prey he was met by one whose nerves were strung by desperation the conflict was terrible at length the energies of the mountain boy triumphed and his sinewy foe rolled over the edge of the deep and cragged ravine near which they had met his tremendous efforts over standish sank down almost insensible but it was on the bosom of ellen that his head rested it was the voice of ellen that recalled him to life and revived him to love resting within her arms he listened to the narrative which dispelled every suspicion the british officer had by a thousand assiduities endeavoured to make an impression upon ellen's heart her reserve did but increase his passion and when finally the formal tender of his hand was rejected and he learned that the heart he sought was devoted to another maddened with love and jealousy he formed the plan of carrying her off and conveying her to quebec to which station he exerted influence enough to obtain his recall a soldier of the garrison was bribed to accompany him night after night to the opposite shore until the opportunity at last occurred for which he had so long waited she was found alone upon the bank was seized and borne to the fort where with the aid of gold the officer had succeeded in concealing her even from the knowledge of the commandant standish heard with sensible satisfaction that the forcible seizure and detention only excepted there was nothing in the conduct of the officer not marked by the most scrupulous delicacy and regard to honour and that he depended only upon the total estrangement from her friends and a course of the most tender attention for the success of his suit standish conducted his recovered bride back to the circle of his military friends while under the banner of his country already streaming from the rampart they were rejoicing in their victory he without delay sent out a party to bring in the body of the wounded officer whose wounds he found to his infinite relief though serious were not mortal and soon after crossed the lake and lent his ellen to the embrace of her good aunt mark standish and ellen guilford were married and settled on their own farm occasionally aiding his countrymen in arms in their struggle for independence and now returning like cincinnatus to his plough he passed through the scenes of the revolutionary war with a high reputation he lived to see his country become a free and powerful nation and the hampshire grants under the appropriate appellation of vermont a thriving state of the american union to see new towns and cities spring up around him and the lakes and their shores after being in a subsequent war the theatres of the triumphs of american fleets and armies become when peace returned the object of research and enjoyment to the refined and elegant of the nation ellen gave to his board several blooming and beautiful girls all of whom obtained respectable husbands and about an equal number of sensible spirited boys some of whom were in process of time sent to the assembly and one of whom it is said was returned to congress it is certain that our lovers live long and happily together and for all i've heard to the contrary our mark standish the green mountain boy is the identical old revolutionary character who at the flourishing town of osbrook read 
the glorious declaration of independence on the recent celebration of its fiftieth anniversary End of section one